Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm from sunny California, now living in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Sure, I am proudly representing the Northeast of China, and I'm also here in the same room with Jason today, speaking to all of you from Beijing. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today's guest is a triple threat, at least. Fonto, heralding from the UK. Fonto has lived in China since 2018. He is a boxer of some note, and I've seen him surrounded by hundreds of fans in person in headline fights and mixing music at multiple venues. He's a DJ, locations across Beijing, including Dada, Jiao Dai, BBB, Nugget, and too many more to mention. He's currently working with a not-for-profit, which promotes sustainability practices through educational programs. Welcome to the show, Fonto. Welcome. Thank so you. many hats what to wear. What an introduction. Wow. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. You. You're always talking about slash culture, yes. right? And oh. that's kind of like what you're doing. You have just many, many things you're engaged yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah I am yeah. a DJ slash boxer slash... I like to say... Uh, bass player. Bass player. Jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> Not a bad so, thing, yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah, Very average at all of them. But average at <laughs> a lot of stuff, so yeah. Well, we want to learn a little bit more about you. I know you were from mm. London, but could you tell us a little bit about your neighborhood? Where are you from? Mm. Good question. So I guess uh, I can answer that with a bit more accuracy. Having been back home for four months and came back a couple mm. of weeks ago. So uh, I'm from a place called Kentish Town in northwest London. It's in the borough of Camden. Uh, Camden had had or has a reputation for being a bit of a stoner's paradise. <laughs> Hippie central, if you will. Mm, but mm. Um, over time, it's kind of become a bit more gentrified, I mm, suppose. Mm, mm. Uh, famous places in Camden, I guess, are uh, Hampstead Heath. I'm talking to you like you know what that is. <laughs> <Wait, I'm not. laughs> like, um, yeah, keep smiling. <laughs> yeah. Arsenal Football Club is not too far oh, okay. away. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Amy Winehouse. Mm. Is oh, from Camden. Okay, now no, that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I uh, was born in a hospital not too far away from Kentish Town. And then I officially moved to that area when I was like five. In 2018, you decided to move to China. Indeed. Yeah. And what led you to that decision? Good, good question. Let's rewind to 2008, where I'd go to university and give geology a try. Wow. And uh, I don't know Science. how, but managed to leave with a, <laughs> with a degree. And then that ended up being my career for a few years. Wow. So I was a geologist. I worked on an oil rig. Um, wow. Not so much for the job so itself. It was for the <laughs> lifestyle. I like mm. the idea of having... It's a very uh, poetic way to describe your job. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you knew what I did on my time off, then I think it wouldn't be as poetic. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would work for like two, three weeks at a stretch mm. and then have two to three weeks off. Wow. Which is wow. So you like um, flown in on a helicopter or something? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So wow. it's from London to Aberdeen and mm. then a half an hour to one hour long helicopter ride from Aberdeen to the rig. Yeah. Jason, yeah. have you been on a helicopter? Have you been in? Because you can't stand up. I've seen a helicopter. I was living in Wuhan and there was a okay. helicopter in the hospital mm-hmm. and I would see it and think, wow, that's but cool. I've never been in one. No, I've never even touched one. <laughs> that's pretty oh, cool. That's yeah, really, yeah, really yeah. something. I think the extreme thing, to be honest, about the whole helicopter thing was the training 
you have to take to be on one to just to, to be just a be passenger yeah so oh. it's like um basically i suppose uh in case the s word hits the fan <laughs> um you need to know what to do in case well how do we survive a helicopter yeah crash? what's the yeah, biggest yeah. no-no mm-hmm. when you're if you're ever so on a funny enough actually <laughs> there's like a, a kind of seat etiquette because your survival chance or <gasps> your yeah survival rate of escaping from a helicopter that's in the sea is uh, reduced drastically if you don't sit next to a window so um don't take the a, middle seat yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically wow. basically yeah but uh the training involved uh going into like a replica helicopter mm-hmm. which is kind of suspended above a six seven meter deep pool this sounds like nasa training uh they dump you into they the do pool. they do they do a total of six times and the last two times, uh, they turn this replica helicopter upside down. This wow. is whilst you're like seat belted into a and chair. You're, yeah. How long do you stay in that position? Well, I mean, like the whole thing was supposed to be a few seconds, but I think in my case, it, it was a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> Are there, there gentlemen, ladies down there with like snorkels yeah. ready to save you in yeah, case you yeah, don't yeah, know what to case, do? In wow. case, in case, yeah. That's insane. You that know? is insane. So you're supposed to do that every four years. And uh, as you can imagine. Is this why you left geology? At one of those four-year marks, I thought to myself. I'm moving to China. This is enough. And I've never seen this woman pull the same way since then. So wait, is it related your decision to leave to uh, move to China related to your decision to leave geology? So I'm going off tangent here. Sorry. Uh, so uh, fast forward a few years to 2016, 2017. So anyone who worked in oil and gas would know that mm. at that time, there was a massive oil recession, mm. essentially. So loads of um, sort of oil-backed economies, their economies tanks. Mm. Um, boring story, but Saudi Arabia at the time flooded the oil market with cheap oil. Mm. And um, the price of oil dropped drastically. Mm. And in the process, lots of people lost their jobs. Loads of companies folded, included mine. And uh, yeah, I was made redundant. And then I thought to myself, let's just roll the dice here. Mm. Mm. Let's just see what happens. Give China a try. It's like the most different thing to what you're doing now or anyone that I knew at the time for that matter. Mm-hmm. And um been an awesome time since I moved here. You're listening to The Bridge. I want to add a question because mm. now I'm remembering that you mentioned this one time before. Mm-hmm. The price of oils is rather high. No, it is. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that's yeah, going to yeah. continue into the future? Uh, Since you know, we have an I expert here. I know. We don't get to ask this so. question every day. I suppose day. the reason why that is, is a lot of uh, tension in Ukraine stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I think Putin. So if, uh, that, if that conflict subsides, the price of oil might come so. down later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. before you came to China, what did you know about China? Zero. Zilch. Actually. So what yeah. were your first couple of weeks like? Um, How, you, were you shocked by anything? Did anything surprise no, you? No. Uh, so I guess coming from uh, London, mm-hmm. unfortunately, you have this like snobbish like attitude. About so it is true. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which is it's a lot of fact in that. So, uh, <laughs> Gone to uh, quite a few countries in Europe, naturally compared cities, and mm. uh, kind of go back home thinking that, yeah, there's no, no London, you know. <laughs> but going to Beijing, I can remember those first like initial weeks. Yeah, that kind of buzz 
and excitement mm. that you get yeah. from yeah an urban dwelling place as it's put i got that from from beijing yeah. Mm. yeah 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 and then i guess off the back of that i could really see myself there for an extended time so wait um, your first couple of weeks you'd already decided yeah i'm gonna live here i mean like i guess when i first came it was initially going to be a six-month period. <laughs> I think and this then, is going to be, sorry to interrupt, but mm. I think this is going to be a challenge for Jason and I for every single guest we have on the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The challenge is to find one person who didn't think that thought when they first came to China. Yeah. Everybody's right? like, this is going to be six months. This is going to be a year. Yeah. I, I, Indeed, I usually right? get the year. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. do one year in China and then I'm yeah. traveling all over the yeah. world. And then they just, okay, 10 years later, one more they're year on the and bridge. Then by the time you know it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one exactly. They're on the bridge, right? Exactly. This one I thought I was out, they dragged me. Well, certainly in, even traveling around Europe yeah. from, from the UK, China must be a significant difference. So yeah. were there things that you noticed in the first month being here that you were like, well, that's really different? Mm, well, did you come to Beijing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Uh, I don't want to say I was warned. But I was just given like a bit of a heads up that is not as <laughs> ethnically diverse as, yeah. as, as London. Mm-hmm. And so coming to China, that wasn't exactly like uh, something that shocked me. You know, mm. it was just, okay, well, you're one of not that many foreigners here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing is, there is no like animosity or mm-hmm. bad vibes being in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can imagine being one of very few foreigners in many other parts of the world comes with uh, a little bit of risk. Mm. Of course. And uh, I think that would be the case everywhere, China included, but um, at no point have I ever felt endangered mm-hmm. or like, uh, you know. It's more like curiosity. Yeah. How would you yeah, describe yeah, it? Yeah, I don't yeah. want to put words in your mouth. I'm, I think you'd be smashed. That is the word I'd use, curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's more of a kind of uh, I want to know more. Yeah. About us. <laughs> I yeah. get a lot of folks that I know. They say people take pictures of them in public. You mm. get the, you get a lot of that. Do you know my first like maybe year, eight nine months, and then I think after a while you kind of give off a vibe that like I'm not into that. I'm just <laughs> I'm just one of you guys, uh-huh. and I think off the back of that, then no one really cares about taking pictures. Interesting. So your attitude. It's actually so. it's like yeah. you send that that's, energy yeah, out yeah. through the universe very, yeah, and it gets yeah, reciprocated. Because yeah, yeah. I think those first like five or six months or so, mm-hmm. you kind of give off this vibe, this energy of being mystified by anything yeah. that's around you. And naturally people pick up on that and maybe become mystified in, in you or like just how <laughs> odd you are sticking out. <laughs> but, um, I think uh, few months, you're just sitting on the subway mm. you know you're just kind of frustrated with the long commute as much as everyone, everyone else yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I'm very fortunate right now I can walk to work in five minutes nice. oh, yeah. it's, it is so amazing mm-hmm. actually I think it's more like four minutes and it's very mm. lovely there are ginkgo trees on the way too Oh, well, oh. oh it, is a good, it is a good season to appreciate the ginkgo tree leaves. Uh, you mentioned that you have traveled around China before. You one time said in a previous interview I had with you for a vlog that China is not a monolith. So yes. I wanted to know a little bit about your travels in China. It's true. I guess uh, the first thing I'd say regarding that is uh, thinking that my Chinese is, is okay. Mm. Mm. And, then, and then leaving Beijing and realizing no, it's not. And so uh, I suppose the dialects, the difference in dialects between uh, all the different provinces, that's one thing that kind of struck at me. Where have you actually been? In the north, I suppose. Uh, oh, what part of so the north? No- north I'm going to kind of expand <laughs> out of Beijing. So Beijing, obviously. Tianjin, I suppose. Harbin. Ooh. Beidai He. Qinghuangdao, Datong, 
Now, I always mix this up. That song is in Shansi or Shans. Okay. 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 I have to uh, defer to you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the expert. Yes. Uh, yes. One of us Ling- is from here. <laughs> Lingxia. Okay. Uh, so that's a, going more west. Yeah. Mm. In Mongolia. Back up north again. Um, Speaking like a true I think been uh, to more places than <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think yeah. you've been to more places than me, and you haven't even finished your list. Uh, I just hope I remember the whole thing. Not what? that there's that many. Uh, Shanghai, Suzhou, mm. okay. Hainan, uh, Chongqing, mm. Sichuan, of course. Um, uh, did you have the spicy hot pot when you were in Sichuan? <laughs> I did. Gotta did you like it? Did you like it? Big fan. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I recently discovered that as a Chinese person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always been having northern style hot pot. Mm. We went to this one restaurant that has been kind of particularly popular mm-hmm. um, in northern cities. Changed my whole idea about hot pot. And I never understood. Yeah, I never understood what people from Chongqing and Sichuan are saying. Oh, you know, this this Mong- Mongolian style hot pot is yeah. nothing. I used to really. You, you mean know, you tried the hot stuff? Yes. I used to really be like, you know, what's the big deal? Mm. It's, it's, it's food boiled in hot soup. How different can it be? And I tried that hot pot and I was like, I officially take back what I said about Chongqing <laughs> hot pot before. Yeah. It's, it's very addictive. Levels. Very mm-hmm. I've actually come to the decision. I've never been to Sichuan. Okay. That when I go, I'm not going to try the hot. The last few times I've been to hot pot, I've realized before I felt like I had something to prove culturally. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm in a hot pot place. I need to have like spicy hot pot or whatever. Yeah. Now I feel like I want to enjoy my life the way I I'm just getting old and set in my ways. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy my stomach burning. <laughs> and if I go to Sichuan, I'll be like, Please give me the mild. Uh-huh. The sesame oil will help you. <laughs> oh, so okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Do you know those uh like Sichuan peppercorns? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I've become like addicted to those. I was about to say yeah. like this is one thing that I'm not getting used are you, to yet. Are these the spicy the numbing? Kind of, the numbing. Yeah. The numbing. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like a kind of like spice that is unbearable. It's just like this weird tingling sensation in hmm. the tongue. Yeah. Like it's yeah. I don't mind it. Do you have that in Beijing too? Uh, I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. I love how like everything we talk about is eventually gonna come back to food. food. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I think mm. about that often. That we end up talking about food quite a lot. Yeah, see. on the yeah. show particularly. That being said, what's the let me say weirdest food you tried? And weirdest. I just reminded myself of one other place I've been to. What well, Dalian? I had it mm. when I my first six months here. I didn't know how I read Chinese at all, so okay. I couldn't read the menu whatsoever. And mm-hmm. I was just looking at pictures, and it looked like beef it turned out to be stomach so i was like okay i'll give this a try after a few bites i I really couldn't do it so i didn't finish okay so you eat that now still no no i think the reason why i just remembered dalian is linking that to strange foods i tried starfish starfish yeah wow i didn't know you could eat starfish i thought they were just gonna be uh you ate patrick Ornaments. I did. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, <buddy. laughs> wow. That being said, I'm not even sure if that's like a local delicacy or if it's just um, he wants to buy this and eat him. Yeah, and I think you're the first person that yeah. I heard who tried to eat. Starfish. Okay. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> maybe I wasn't supposed to eat it. We will fact check this and see if people Indeed. actually. <laughs> they do it. that in Beijing where they eat a uh, scorpion, but it's only yeah. for tourists. Mm, yeah. They, I tried they, scorpion in my first week here. Yeah, yeah. So, a lot of people, right oh, when they arrive, you're like, oh. fried, right? It's just yeah. really, you know. It's There's got, nothing on do it. Do regular yeah. folks just, just sit around eating scorpion? Or is it, it's a tourist. out to eat yeah, yeah. scorpion. No, I've never yeah. seen normal people. It's usually a tourist <laughs> are like, I'm eating scorpion in Beijing. Yeah, that was, that was that that's guy. a Beijing that was local me. food. <laughs> 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 
are listening to The Bridge. You've decided to make Beijing your home, you know, many yeah. years later, you're still yeah, here in yeah, Beijing. Yeah. Is that mm-hmm. just because you made friends or because you like the city or? Um, I guess it's all of those. My work situation has uh, really accommodated me to explore all those hobbies that mm. we listed before. Good group of friends here. My community, uh, mm-hmm. the area that I live in. I haven't moved since I've been here, actually. Mm. Oh, wow. Wow, so, the same, uh, same apartment. Yeah. And where, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. which part of the city is that? So that's uh, Sanisoir. So ah. not too far away from the embassies. Neighbors? Ah, mm. okay. Okay. Sing for Arton. See, yes, you yeah. go out and perform be... in clubs. You go out and perform in clubs. You both live I in San Francisco. I can't believe I've been yeah. living in that neighborhood for four years. Mm. Okay. Almost four years. Mm. Never run into you. Indeed. Do you uh, frequent parties by any Yes, chance? we do our Tuesday yeah, open mics yeah. there every, okay. every Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that place. So you were yeah. a boxer. How did you get into that? Was that something you did in London or is that something this you picked up here? something I did uh, back in, not London, in Manchester. Mm. So my uni mm. days. And uh, the reason I got into it at first mm-hmm. was... Uh, as an asthmatic, I figured, really? let me just do something to kind of, you know, boost my cardio. Mm. Uh, really into football at the time. Mm. So it was supposed to be just fitness. That was the original plan. And then um, I think I had a bit of a knack for it, I mm-hmm. think. Got invited to spa. Typically, sparring is kind of, you know, like you were saying before the show started, practice fighting. Mm. Going mm. at 70%-ish. Mm. I guess my willingness to do it kind of struck the coach as something as characteristic that's worth developing but you're also pretty tall and pretty yeah. well built so. yeah, yeah. Is, well, that, is that good or, or bad oh. for for boxing and uh that being said all my More teammates reach. i guess would say yeah you have like freakishly long arms <laughs> <laughs> that might come to your benefit and uh in the boxing i try and use that as one of my key <laughs> tactics no, i think a lot of people yeah. in Outside of China, we'll mm. be very surprised that boxing is something that happens in Beijing. And then yeah. in China. Yeah, yeah, so can you yeah, tell yeah. us a little bit about yeah. Yeah, can you tell yeah, us a little yeah. bit about the scene? Now uh, I might be wrong here, but I think after twenty twenty, mm. uh, obviously quarantine mm-hmm. took the world and sporting events kind of subsided. Mm. And one of the few sporting events that could take place were combat sports because mm. they don't require a crowd necessarily and obviously it's just two people yeah, mm. as opposed to like whole teams and stuff. Mm. And I think off the back of that, the interests grew exponentially. Really? I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do have a friend mm. um, who's a, a female friend from Dongbei. She's okay. from Shenyang. Very tall girl as well, yeah, interesting yeah. enough. She, for some reason, decided to take on not boxing, but Muay Thai. Mm. She has been, it's like a drug it for is, her. She it goes is, every it day. Is, and she is. goes, she yeah. says, it's so, it, like, it's so exhausting. Mm. But if I don't go back the next day, yeah, I feel like my soul is missing. And yeah. she's been trying to get me to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. All I can say is good Uh luck. I am not going to risk my life Uh and other people's lives. I say like, I've said this quite a few times. I know like boxing doesn't really have the mysticism of like Mm. uh, East Asian martial art, like Kung Fu or something like that. But um, it is still very much a martial art, I think. Mm. And to kind of uh, double down on what your friend said, I think (laughs) there is like a a spiritual element to Mm. it, actually. I think the idea of like, Doing something that occupies your attention 101%. There is no way you're distracted by something else. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, like it's it's a solo sport. There really is a sense of like developing. Mm. And whereas obviously, you know, you can set targets for yourself. 
mm. just like you can in anything. But I feel that in martial arts, you can never perfect it. <laughs> you can always seek improvement, regardless of how yeah. high a level you are. That's one of the reasons why I enjoy it. Wow. Yeah. Well, how many venues are there to actually go do boxing? Are these mm. gyms or are there actual like so, um, arenas? I guess um, one of the biggest chains would be uh, like a gym brand called CTC. Mm -hmm. And they essentially mm -hmm. own quite a few different combat sport gyms mm -hmm. around Beijing. They frequently put events on as well. It looks like over the last few years, those events have just grown and grown and grown. Mm. Yeah. And with that have, has become like people's interest in the sport as well. I've heard of this thing and I think I personally know maybe two or three girls that is competing the red word. Um, yeah. mm. The Shuangjing Showdown. Yeah. Is that, yeah, a, is yeah, that apparently yeah. for people who box, that's like a, one of the biggest local events Indeed. they could be involved in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last one was in April, I think. Oh, they had one this year? They had one this year. Mm. Yeah. Oh. yeah, unfortunately, couldn't participate. My hand was busted up at the time. Mm. Oh. But I was DJing instead. So, uh, I think yeah. I saw you at something called fight club yeah and there was yeah, like 300 yeah. people there i, I came with the oh. cameras <laughs> and First rule fight I, wanted, club. <laughs> i wanted to take pictures by the First time there were, like, there were like five or six fights in a row before your fight yeah i couldn't even get up to take pictures mm. because they were like so rammed around the is it mm. called the net what's that the ring the ring yeah <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But so like it, it doesn't boxing. actually have like a ring. Shape. It's a square. Yeah. So why it's called a square, ring. square mm. ring. Yeah. But I, I was like holding my camera over mm. the crowd as well as mm. I could, trying desperately to take mm. pictures because yeah. there was keen interest. And I think you were you were the, the, the last one. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Do you often win? Nine altogether. Wow. And of one seven. Wow. Yeah. Don't fight Pantel. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna back them white tie fire. They have a broader range of skills. Fight with their knee, right? They and jump with their knee. And, and they can yeah. kick. I'm going to ask this question on behalf of people who don't box. Except yeah. apart from the adrenaline you get from mm. this kind of really intensive training hours, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what's the high? What's the, the sense of pleasure that you get out of sparring or competing mm. in a real fight? I suppose it's striving. This sounds super corny, I know, but bear with me. It's striving for excellence. Mm. So not so much reaching it itself, but just mm. trying to pursue it, mm. which I which I like. Um, the fact that there is a, I don't know, a constant sense of trying to improve, mm. uh, measuring your capabilities with other people. Mm. Yeah, I guess you find that in all sports, but that's something that particularly resonates with me and boxing. And this is going to be a stupider question than mm. the last one. Do you get a stronger fighting will if you don't like your your opponent? Oh, goodness. That's a good question, I think. So uh, <laughs> it doesn't happen often, but there have been a couple of times when I've sparred with mm. someone who I'm not the biggest fan of. Yeah. Mm. And uh, I found that instead of trying to win, mm. I'm a bit more obsessed with trying to hurt. And uh. that takes me out of my zone. It takes mm, me I out see. of the flow. It doesn't let me execute the skills that I feel I've practiced. So is that why professional life. boxers seem to try to agitate each other so that they don't so, perform as well? In my opinion, <laughs> right, um, professional boxing is kind of halfway in the entertainment industry, mm -hmm. halfway in the sporting industry. And I guess naturally wanting to draw bigger audiences, get yeah. bigger crowds, yeah. get bigger gate fees, bigger pay-per-views, etc., You have to Put on kind show. of force a narrative. Mm. And that narrative might be, you said this to me, I'm going to say this to you. As a, Yeah, so kind of pretending that there's a hatred that might not actually be there. Mm. 
you you see a lot of the time right like straight after one of these big like high value fights straight afterwards mm-hmm. they're hugging each other and shaking mm-hmm. each other's hand and yeah. stuff um in the amateur boxing side of life i don't think there's a need for it because, <laughs> if you, you lose know, you lose just walk off yeah, yeah, just, yeah go. just get your dd and go home and yeah you're listening to the bridge you're mm. also a dj yeah so was this something yeah, you did yeah, back yeah. at home, home or you picked up yeah here? yeah so um i took way more of an interest in it when i came to to china mm. um back in the uk always like heavily involved in music when i was back in london it was more the acoustic side of stuff i played bass for a few years mm. and kind of dibble dabbled in quite a few bands and stuff and when i first came to china that was something i was looking to continue mm-hmm. but my interest in electronic music grew more and more and i suppose the medium i wanted to creatively express myself changed mm. Mm. so instead of a bass it was a set of decks and yeah mm-hmm. so how do you ins- you're playing other people's music mostly yeah how do you insert yourself into that process yeah, what yeah. does the dj actually do i've always had a thing for like acquiring music like mm. buying downloading from like a really young age like 11 12 mm. and anyone who knows anything about downloading music then that might not necessarily be the most legal way but <laughs> for a long time that was the only way to to do it so yeah. i've always kind of had hard drives worth of music and so naturally just keeping up that hobby i suppose you obviously want to kind of share some of your finds mm. with an audience and so compiling a list Okay, it depends. So, like, I have a a radio show, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, like, every month, um, not interviews or talking or anything like this, but just releasing a mix. And essentially what I want to do is find everything that I found recently. Mm. Showcase the highlights. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I'm not sure how pretentious this sounds, but let's go with it. I want to kind of build a mood, Mm. essentially. Uh, the idea that I have behind making a mix mix, is kind of creating a journey. Mm. and if you kind of have a graph on the x-axis you have time Mm -hmm. and i suppose on the y-axis you have like energy Mm. feel mood Mm -hmm. and i try and kind of explore as many of them as possible while seamlessly connecting them together Mm. yeah what type of electronic music so being from the uk i try to be (laughs) no no not quite not to it um (laughs) I want my signature sound to be UK Garage. Garage is uh, kind of an evolution from a form of house music that was really popular in New York in the 80s. And then I came over to the UK in the early 90s, kind of sped up, became very bass heavy. And if you know anything about grime, grime? No? Okay. Uh, This is all good. Grime is kind of like uh, an evolution of that in Trill, which has become really popular recently. It's kind of an evolution of grime. But uh, basically, UKG is a very strong proponent of UK electronic music. Mm. And I want to try and be the signature source of that sound here in Beijing. Wow, that's amazing. So you do perform in front of crowds. I have seen that in Mm. addition to your radio show. So Mm -hmm. when you do that, do you ever, because of the mood of the people that you are performing with for Mm -hmm. change your selection Mm. based on the mood that they're giving you back? 
I mean, I guess um, when I started playing to bigger crowds, I was always trying to imagine what it'd be like and then make a very specific list according to that. Mm. It worked sometimes, but other times it didn't. <laughs> and I suppose I just had to kind of grow a confidence in my improvisation selection, like on the spot. So like choosing sounds, you know, you haven't really decided beforehand. So yeah, I will pick a track uh, based on how I feel. The crowd. Mm. So you, yeah, it is kind of yeah. some interaction yeah, with the crowd. Yeah, 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 yeah. What it's kind of like comedy. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Imagine, yeah. Could, could you elaborate? Thing. Well, it's a, you know, if we're doing a paid show, open mics are different. Open mics, we just go on and do whatever we want. That's why it's free. Mm. Mm. But for paid, <laughs> for paid shows, we do want to have an organization or order to the jokes that we're going to tell. Mm -hmm. And usually we have a better idea if we go into the room or we're performing on the later spots so that we can see mm. how people react to what kind of materials. Mm -hmm. And we will adjust um, our set according to that. But then the thing that resonates the most is that it just doesn't always work. Mm. You would you would watch the other comedians perform. You're like, oh, the audience, this today's audience will probably react to these things better. Or this is how I'm going to change. I'm going to tell this first and that last. And then they just sit there and go, ha ha. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. see. Eventually, you just gotta be, you know, just gotta have a really thick skin and just yeah, be like, yeah, yeah. this is my set. Mm -hmm. If you don't like it, this is why go yeah. most else. people <laughs> could never. This is why, I mean, I don't have a problem with public speaking. I actually love it. You say, oh, we need you to give a speech about something. It's like, give me the mm -hmm. mic. I'm ready to yeah. go up there. But like comedy, oh my gosh, that is mm -hmm. terrifying. Mm -hmm. We've recently started doing this very mini workshop thing with two other uh, comics, just the three of us, a casual Friday night beer. And we talk about our sets, we talk about comedy in general. And I asked them about, you know, if really I, I get feedback from the audience saying that we've heard this joke or mm -hmm. we're not surprised by this joke. What do you do? What should I do? And one of the very um, one of the comedians with more experience said, just have different audience. <laughs> just change to different audience. I was like, that's a great advice. Wow. I'll take it. It takes the pressure off of you. Yeah. You just have some people who are not so fun. Yes, it's yeah. their fault, not mine. <laughs> Do you have a question for you? Right? Do you ever find that like in the audience, obviously it's full of loads of people and you're not trying to address every individual person. Do you find that like some members of the audience are like a lightning rod for the rest? So you're kind of choosing specific people and using them as a gauge for the whole room. Um, I think the best way to to answer that is mm. that I can't really choose one person to gauge the whole room, yeah, but yeah. I can choose this one person to make the whole room a little bit more lively. Yeah, yeah. There yeah, is yeah. a target. I did a show on the rooftop a couple of weeks ago, mm. and I felt really bad because um, I was doing a joke about you know how people were having farewell parties, you know people mm. leaving. Mm -hmm. I was doing a joke about having farewell parties where people leaving China were going to all these events, and I did a quick little survey. I said, "Hey, is any?" any foreigner in this room that is going to leave and this one gentleman i felt so bad for him because he got the we didn't have enough chairs mm -hmm. and he was already on the shorter end of you oh. know of of a of a guy <laughs> and he was sitting on just extremely tiny chair mm -hmm. so when i look at the audience i look at lines 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 and I, when it gets to him there's a dent and <laughs> i just i just i could see him so clearly and when i asked that question yeah. he was the only person that raised his hand 
Well, that entire set, I was just dogging this person oh. out. <laughs> People loved it. <laughs> People loved it. And I had a really, I had a really good performance that day. Yeah. I mean, I after the show, I went to shake his hand and thank him for uh, being a good sport. How did he but react? He loved it. He yeah, enjoyed yeah. it. He was, but that's not a safe bet. Not everybody's going to, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I joked on, it's funny enough, we had another um, gentleman, also from the UK, mm. on the show. And I actually joked about him and his wife at one of my comedy shows <laughs> i didn't it. know it was him i hope he didn't feel offended but yeah. you know I, I i he didn't mention that to me he said that he said oh i remember you i mean he didn't mention that being <laughs> because, part. yeah he just remembered he okay. remembered being in your audience you know i want people to come back to me and be like hey alex i loved your show just like i don't know i always go to the dj when i go out if it's really good yeah. and i really feel the mood of the night i, I would, my boyfriend more often mm -hmm. would just go up to the dj and say hey man you know the whole bro thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get people coming up begging requests and stuff like that? Uh, no. No. The, uh, <laughs> the Shield. The clubs that I play in usually, mm. there is an etiquette not to do that. Yeah. I feel like it's hard to request music if you're if you're at a kind of an like electronic music event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You like, see it in the movies. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I actually came to see you a couple times. I was doing a, a bit about you a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, could you tell us a specific memory of DJing? Where tell us about how you felt. You know, what did it look like that you remember that stands out and is inspiring for mm. you as a DJ? So there's a moment that happened yeah it was this year actually earlier this year like march i think and uh to anyone who is kind of in the electronic music scene i guess in china they would know that there's a pretty famous club called tag in chongdu <laughs> and, jason looked at me as if i should know about that place in chongdu just not in, in chongdu in chongdu yeah it was a different city okay. yeah yeah a different city and um the first time i went i can remember thinking to myself that like if i ever get asked to play yeah that would be i don't know a little personal achievement for mm. me mm. and so lo and behold i actually get asked to play there which is cool great and then I can remember 10 minutes before I played. Um, I don't want to say it was nervousness. Maybe it was. Mm. But I kind of already resigned to the fact that it wasn't going to go well. Which was, How did you, what, what, what gave you that kind of? Um, I don't know what it was. Do you know, now that I've said this out loud, I think it's something I do, like, mm. psychologically, where it's kind of mm. like. Self-sabotage? <laughs> maybe, maybe. No, it's uh, it's kind of an ethos. I suppose it's mm. prepare for the worst, uh, hope for the best. Like stoicism. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's what it is. And so uh, I was kind of just, uh, obviously, looking forward to playing, but then just kind of Lowered. accepting mm. the idea that it might not go well. Mm. Mm. And so anyways, I start the show and then like the first song just goes off and I was like, okay, this is, this is nice. This is cool. <laughs> Let's see how the next hour and a half goes. Oh my but, God. Uh, <laughs> it went, it went really well from like start to finish. It was like really good. Um, the club owner was really, really pleased. Mm. Loads of uh, people asked me for like where they can find more mixes of mine and stuff. Mm few like weeks later i'd randomly decided to look myself up on weibo randomly honestly mm -hmm. it was oh, randomly oh. <laughs> and i found that like there was quite a lot of footage from that event from different people mm. which is cool but the idea was that um yeah that was easily like one of the highlights do you I actually think. sell like mixed you know mm. nugget they make cassette tapes here in beijing there's a place called nugget do you yeah 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 I've, uh, we could go and get your on there actually yeah <laughs> i guess you wouldn't really sell mixes if you like produced your own tracks mm -hmm. then yeah. i think you're more licensed to uh oh i see what you're saying distribute your stuff. right 
right, right. But if you're a DJ and you're essentially playing other people's music and you're selling that, and sell a piece of paper with a list of music. On yeah, it. basically, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you wanted to be extra, you could add some hyperlinks, but um, mm. a DJ mean, doesn't. Yeah, it's it's not. You can't really sell it for money. But mm. we have. I have a, another friend who's also a DJ, mm. also a gentleman from the UK. Um, I wonder if I know. Uh, John DJ Mr. John Riley. I don't know if you know him. Too many DJs. <laughs> he mm. he has found a way to use his mixes for some you know monetary um savings if you will because mm. on my birthday he didn't give me a gift he just sent me a mix mm. that he said this is alex's birthday mix i'm like okay <laughs> john like- <laughs> that's um a john cusack movie. and then yeah and then later on at a barbecue john said oh here's uh here's uh you know the music that we're going to use for today mm. And I said, John, that's the same mix that you did for my birthday. <laughs> that is not very, that's not, you know. It wasn't custom to me after all. Exactly. Okay. Mm. Hey, he's giving me an idea now for what to do for birthday gifts. Don't do that to your girlfriend. You'll get yourself in trouble. <laughs> you like the same mix last year. <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. A lot of people I know in Beijing, especially, you know, foreigners, they're, mm-hmm. oh, it's impossible to travel outside of China and then back into China. And you did it. I Could did, you walk yeah. us through that well, process? Yeah, yeah. Like, what was it necessary I, um, to do it? And how much did it cost? Mm, and what was the airport like? Good, good question. Um, just to add to that, I can remember like having like a, a leaving party before I left. <laughs> Goodbye. I didn't even really Forever. organize it. <laughs> yeah, because honest. that's what people and, yeah. um, Everyone was like kind of convinced that like, Haha, you think you're coming back? Huh? Yeah, best of luck with that. And it was like, no, I, I actually plan on, on coming back. <laughs> yeah. No. So I haven't like, you know, moved all my stuff out of my apartment. So it is definitely possible for sure. It's a bit elongated, mm. a bit more of a process. But as long as you know what you need to do before you do it, then... So you just, well, researched everything very carefully. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I kind of made the decision to go home in 2021. Mm. Uh, I guess like a lot of people, they made travel plans in 2020. Uh, (laughs) Kind of, you know, delayed them to 2021. Anyways, uh, decided to finally go back in 2022. So I left at the end of May. And um, the flight going out of China wasn't that complicated, Mm -hmm. actually. I think it was 24 hours before you left. And then coming back to China, um, there were multiple ways to do it, actually. (laughs) And to be honest, I guess this summer are obviously restrictions, but it's become much less restricted than Mm. around this time last year. You had to, you needed to quarantine somewhere. I did, yeah. And how many days was yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. My quarantine was 10 days mm-hmm. and that was in Tianjin. How many mixes mm-hmm. came out of that quarantine? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Uh, prior to that, I, um, I was in Hong Kong though. So that's how I came back. So it was Hong Kong to Tianjin, Tianjin to Beijing. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And once you got to Beijing, did you need to do a three-day home quarantine or anything? Uh, so, No. No, no, the idea Once is... Once you're finished in Tianjin. Yeah, the seven plus three is if your seven days are in Beijing. Mm-hmm. But as I was outside of Beijing, my 10 days 10 days were, and you could come into Beijing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I moved from Wuhan to Beijing mm. uh, this year, just a in few August. months ago. Yeah, uh, July, August, yeah, somewhere, I can't remember. Okay. But I needed to do a COVID test mm. three days. Once the first day, once the second day, once the third day. Once that was done, then I was just like everybody else. Mm. So we, there was no quarantine whatsoever, traveling between cities at that time because mm. both of those cities were like, okay, just mm-hmm. right in that window. It was like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> you work with a not-for-profit. Indeed. And I was wondering, this is 
about sustainability education. Correct. So yeah. I made some guesses about what that yeah, means. Yeah, but yeah, can yeah. you fill us in? So um, to kind of rewind and go to the oil and gas stuff that I did before, mm. I've always aspired to work in energy. Mm. And even when I was in the UK, I was kind of volunteering at a, a renewable energy startup. Mm. And so this is kind of a continuation of that, basically. Now, this organization, uh, Keru, shout out to Keru, that's K-E-R-U. They um, essentially go to different schools around the country, uh, rural areas in particular, Mm. and uh, sort of recycling practices, uh, trying to discourage fast fashion, Mm. uh, some mental health stuff. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. It's terrible. Yeah. 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 There's just like thousands of acres covered with people's shirts and other like developing countries. Well, yeah. 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 I suppose like you can draw some confidence that it looks like there is some policy that's being put in place to stop that from happening. Mm. But uh, with Keru, I uh, do the renewable energy tech stuff, Mm. uh, particularly solar panels. Mm. Nice. um, You promote solar panel use in rural villages. Am I understanding that correctly? Oh, it's with high school kids mm. and uh, basically the the science behind how it works. So you you mm. teach the children? Yeah. So you yeah, come in yeah, and you're like, yeah. this is how green energy works. This is yeah, how you yeah. get energy from your rooftop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is how you could save mm. money if your family installs this. This is kind how of you technology. develop your own projects, essentially. Mm. The idea is um, for a lot of these high school kids that plan on to go to university and do engineering and other science-based stuff Mm. Uh, and this is kind of like a practical insight into Mm. how they can actually apply some of the skills they get from engineering because i can remember so this is Mm. for them to develop a career yeah yeah i suppose you could say that yeah 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 i can remember i guess geology not so much but a lot of like science-based university courses Mm. can easily get lost in the theoretical side Mm -hmm. and um then this gives people the opportunity to yeah like uh a kind of feel-good project as well. Mm. And uh, I'd love to be able to take this to Mm. other parts of the world, ideally. So you literally go outside of Beijing to rural villages? Uh, The programs that I've done, a lot of them have been online. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we did have uh, quite a few programs in mind to deliver this year and last year. But the travel restrictions, unfortunately, stopped us from doing that. Mm. But the tools that we have at the moment, we're still Mm. fighting the good fight, still pushing the project forward. listening to the bridge and there's so mm. much to cover with you because mm. you do so many different <laughs> things you are now playing bass a band is that how we would you describe them say that yeah called yeah, yeah. phenomena phenomena yeah oh, shout okay. out to uh, to leo uh so he's a uh, owner of the runner of a club in beijing called bbb oh, and uh yeah hot cat. yeah can I tell a story about BBB really yes, fast? Yes, This is pertaining to my wife. Okay. So we came, we were doing a vlog about <laughs> Fonto. I was actually writing an article about Fonto at the same time. So mm-hmm. I was stalking him okay. all over Beijing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we went there and it was before the crowd showed up. He was just still getting his gear set up and stuff. Yeah. By the way, I got some really great photos of you. If, oh. you, if you want them with those TVs in the background. <laughs> oh, thank you. We, we took like a yeah. hundred photos. Please do. So we, there was no one dancing at the time because mm. it was early doors. We came yeah. in super early. So I gave my wife 300 
300 RMB to mm-hmm. dance. So she stands up in the middle of this. <laughs> wow, you paid your wife to yeah. dance. Just <laughs> not like dirty dancing. I was, confused. Dirty dancing. I was <laughs> confused for a second. Not, not dirty dancing, <laughs> just dancing. And so she just stood in the middle of this club with all these lights and some music playing. And she mm-hmm. just went at it for like five minutes. She was just totally all over it like oh, crazy. I would love to see that side I've up got, somewhere. I've got pictures as proof that this happened. It was, uh, it was a very surreal Okay. Okay. You, you took away the magic from from that by saying that it was paid for, but I'm joking. It's all good. Well, yeah, no one was dancing, and I was like, "Okay, you go dance." She's like, "No," and I was like, "Three hundred RMB of, of mine," because she gives me an allowance. This is this is true story. I think I've mentioned this before. So you sacrifice your own. So I sacrifice some of my allowance back to her, mm-hmm. so that uh, she would go dancing because I thought it would be make fun pictures. And we, we're going to see much, those pictures. Much appreciated. Oh yeah. 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 If Can you remind was, me when this was? This was in BBB, yeah. and this was two thousand. 21 spring I think. okay yeah. yes okay at the time mm. the two ladies from our kindergarten mm. came in Yasmin oh, and Ashley came uh, yep, and they were hanging yep, right yep, around yep, you yep, yeah. yeah yeah this was my uh good friend James's event so your mm. friend in phenomenon works at BBB yeah or owns yeah, yeah 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 mm. and uh uh it started off this whole phenomena thing it was kind of like a throwback to events he did when he was in italy mm. uh anyone who knows bbb it's kind of yeah in the electronic music yeah. space and this phenomena idea was to kind of complement that but mm. with acoustic instruments mm. so we had a sax player a trombone player someone on keyboards what kind of music uh, so it's kind of like uh i want to say classic house Classic house Classic music. house wow. with acoustic yeah. and horns. Yeah, but instead covered with acoustic wow. instruments. I'm actually, I'm and really interested. When you have your show <laughs> yeah, coming up, we'll make sure you let us know. Yeah. I've got to see this. Yeah, Sounds yeah, very for experimental. Sure, for sure. Like uh, all the times that it's been carried out, um, it gets a really good reception, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. And the uh, idea, hopefully, would be to uh, do it more and more and not necessarily kind of in an addition to mm. an event, but it could be like the event itself. Its own, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, it seems like you're doing a lot. Uh, there's one question I like to ask all my guests, and it's yep, not yep. what's your favorite Chinese food. Okay. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what would you tell people who are curious about China and they have maybe a mainstream media sort of perception of what mm-hmm. China is like? What is China like to you mm-hmm. versus what maybe you see in Western media portrayed about Good China? Good question. Now, obviously, going back to the UK, I found myself... Uh, having to answer those questions a lot. Yeah. Um, I can remember having like this long conversation with one of my friends back home. And mm. obviously the question was like, uh, what are people like in China? How are they compared to people in the UK? Blah, blah, blah. And then in my opinion, people are people for the mm-hmm. most of it. There are way more similarities mm-hmm. between cultures than there are differences. Obviously there are differences and I suppose some of them are big, but um, there's way more stuff to base a common appreciation for things mm-hmm. than there are differences so off the back of that it's way easier to start a conversation with people because mm-hmm. you're more likely to find at least one thing you have in common with them mm. than something that's going to divide you mm. someone's considering hey I, yeah i might want to move to china or yeah. go visit there maybe they're hesitant because some of their perceptions are controlled narratives a little yeah. bit by, by news yeah, what yeah, would you yeah. want them to know that they might not be aware of oh okay 
Your cousin uh, saying, hey, I'm thinking about coming to Beijing. What would you tell him? Uh, I would say, just do it. Just <laughs> just, just give it a try. Like, uh, not one source of information is going to truly reflect what actually happens there. Mm-hmm. Like, the strongest opinion really can only be formed from your own experience, mm-hmm. I guess. And off the back of that, give it a try. Yeah. You might not like it, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. At least you can say that you've tried it. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are hundreds, in fact, thousands, I'm sure, thousands of positive experiences mm. of foreigners who have spent an extended amount of time here. You At the beginning of the show, mm. I think it was not before the show, at the be- beginning of the show, you mentioned that you had originally moved to China thinking you're going to live here for six months. Yeah. You're, you're five years on. Yeah. And you yeah, went yeah. home and came back. Yeah. What's the future hold? Are you planning on staying here a couple more <laughs> so, years? Or? Um, I can remember after that short period, uh, my idea was always to, to cap it at five. In a few months, I'm going to reach that, that magic number. Decision time. Decision time, Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, other parts of the world that I'd like to explore, mm. that I'd like to spend an extended amount of time in. Mm. I haven't decided 100% yet where mm-hmm. that's going to be, but uh, that's what the future's looking like. A uh, non-for-profit that I'm working with, I'd like to continue working with them. Mm. Are they Maybe, global? No, 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 they're mainly based in China, but I'd like to, if I'm not working with them directly in another country, then mm. at least pushing the idea of sustainability practices. That's something that uh, is a space I want to continue working in, basically. Mm. So yeah. could you expand on the not-for-profit work a little bit? Mm. So it's not just about solar panels. You say it's you, not just it, about it's related to, in, in your mind, somehow to geology, to yeah, uh, yeah, oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So could you expand on that? So I guess like, um, obviously... I did geology to work in oil and gas. Oil and gas obviously is like a key resource for making stuff, but, you know, fueling. And plastics. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. many different things come from yeah, petrol. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I can remember on my time off working for this uh, renewable energy company was kind of like the, the good side of energy, I suppose. Mm. Uh, still in the same space, but just a bit more ethical. Mm. And uh, that's something that I continue to pursue something i want to continue doing don't want to go back into oil and gas as much Mm. but uh you know the future does look greener people are adopting more sustainability practices into how they run their companies Mm -hmm. how they run their businesses so there is a big space for it i know it might not seem like that but um you know people are more keen i do a lot of shows Mm. about it there i've maybe Mm. maybe you don't know this i don't know i'm not sure but i found uh, there was some technology coming out of mushroom growth in Yunnan that actually grows on plastic consumes plastic and turns it into biodegradable Uh, material so there are all kinds of potential future options for dealing with the mess that we're making now yeah i saw something i think it was yesterday about a farm in america Mm -hmm. they're using solar panels in a kind of like something to do with like fruits farming Mm. but it's like a kind of one i'm not explaining it super well but either way i've seen it practiced in agriculture Mm. and when you see it on a small scale it kind of just gives you confidence on a a much larger scale Mm. there is there is room for sometimes it feels bleak yeah i actually got to talk with this gentleman Mm. eric solheim okay he's the former undersecretary of united nations for uh, the environment Mm. and he by the time i finished talking to him i felt there was hope and that (laughs) there will still be an earth to live on for people in the future i suppose like naturally news will always kind of gravitate gravitate Mm. towards stuff that's not so positive Mm. green energy is taking off in china there's a lot of solar panels wind energy hydro 
hydropower. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about uh-huh. those? Uh, is there? I guess like the largest producer for the equipment is is China. So on a manufacturing base, this is the place to be, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And there are policies. I guess well, the green deal or yeah. the climate accord. Sorry, um, China in a way is the leader of that. Yeah. I didn't know. And so yeah, after. Other countries decided to withdraw. Um, So you do get a sense that this is one of the places to be to see that stuff Mm. championed. So you Mm. mentioned wanting to spend time in other parts of the world. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Where in the world? Who are the contenders? Yeah. Instead of, uh, what what is it? What is it? Where's Waldo? Where's Waldo? (laughs) Where will we find you in five or ten years? Um, I will probably go back to Europe for at least a few months. Mm. And then uh, September. I'm thinking uh, potentially Taiwan, maybe. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Now it just seems like a part of the world that. Uh, you speak Mandarin. Yeah. I just want to continue <laughs> practicing, basically. Mm. Yeah. Making the things that I know still useful for mm. different destinations. Are you Indeed. still studying? Because when when I talked to you a year ago, you were pretty studying regularly. Are you yeah. still studying Mandarin frequently? Uh, I suppose not on a kind of student teacher basis mm. but i do find myself practicing like all the time mm. sometimes it might only be five ten minutes mm. but either way there's like a continuous if you learn one new word you've learned a new word yeah yeah yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah. that day you will even be making the, sentences yeah, with that new word <laughs> even even just the podcast you know uh, just having that in the background we do want to like have mm. our audience follow up with you yeah, and yeah, learn yeah. more about you so could you tell us a little bit about you were talking before the show about your name oh good question so it has yeah. apparently different yeah, yeah, meanings yeah, in different yeah. contexts Fonto. i suppose yeah in my Fonto. case it's, it's three names that all sound super similar uh-huh. And not everyone knows which one's the real one. But uh Funt- you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Funto is the, the real name. In fact, that's a shortened version of my name, Oloa Funto, mm. which is a Nigerian name. Mm-hmm. Um, the last five letters of that is Funto. And in high school, I had the nickname uh, Fantuan. Mm. And I came to China and uh, <laughs> trying to think of a Chinese name. Right? And someone said the direct translation of your name, Funto, is Feng Tianzi. What? Like Feng Tianzi, like came from the sky. Because Funto means God has given me this child to look after, right? Wow. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. And so I was rolling with that name, Feng Tianzi, for like a while. And I realized it sounds kind of arrogant. It sounds a bit pompous to Does say it? that you came from the sky and introduce yourself Very as monkey that. monkey king. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I uh, kind of decided on a new one. And then considering how close Fan is to Fan one, I was like, just, just roll with Fan Yeah. And Fan yeah. for our listeners who don't speak Mandarin Chinese, yeah. means rice balls. <laughs> it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there have been plenty of times uh, when I've kind of introduced myself to somebody on WeChat mm. and they see me expecting to see like a cute Chinese girl. <laughs> but instead it's <laughs> not quite what matches their idea of what a Fan I have the same issue with my Chinese name, Shangguan Jiawan. I was okay. like, oh, a lot of people, they use the last sound. So yeah, it would be fun. So yeah. I was like, can I, I asked my wife, can I be Fen Fen? She's mm, like, no. no, that's a girl's name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank true. you so much for coming on the Indeed. show. Indeed, thanks for having me. It's an amazing it's a... interview. You do so many different things. Indeed, yeah. It's been uh, awesome. In fact, I've got training uh, in a couple of hours that I need to, that I need to get to. Oh. So I'm glad I this first <laughs> this will give afterwards. you some thoughts as well maybe there's some be some uh philosophical reflection maybe from. <laughs> yeah could say that exactly in your routine 
All right. And we'll see you next time. Indeed. Lovely having you. Awesome. Thanks.